Welcome to Cisco Tech Beat, the podcast that explores the people and stories behind what inspires the newest innovation. I'm your host, AB, and today I am thrilled to welcome our very own Gloria Goins, Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer at Cisco. Gloria is responsible for guiding the company's DEI strategy, fostering inclusive communities, and promoting equity. In essence, her team's primary objective is to eliminate obstacles to inclusion and create a corporate culture that aligns with the company's values. Gloria, thank you so much for coming in. Welcome to the show. It's my pleasure. I'm thrilled to be here too, A.B. Woohoo! And it's in person. Anyone listening to this show or watching, we are here in New York City. Absolutely. Beautiful Love building. It. Beautiful building, lots of tech, uh, very comfortable, and we're, we're good to go. So I want to dive right in because in doing my research, I found out something interesting, that we actually have similar backgrounds. We are both uh, from families that are from the Caribbean. Yeah. So my, my side being from Jamaica, your side being from the Bahamas. I believe your father was a Bahamian immigrant. Yes, he was. So I want to ask you, if it's okay, what was his journey like uh, to the States? And then how were his experiences impactful on you as you were growing up? Yeah, thanks for the question, because if you really want to know me, it starts with my father, who's my hero. Um, he came to this country in the 1930s looking for the elusive American dream. He came with a sixth grade education, A.B. Wow. So I want you to imagine for a second what the world was like for an uneducated Black immigrant mm -hmm. in the U.S. in the 1930s. And, you know, he used to tell these stories of how people would call him the N-word, write the N-word in feces, knowing he had to clean it wow. up. But here's what I'll tell you. I never saw my father complain. He had the most infectious laugh. And he gave me a lot of traits that you you see in me today. Right. right? And so you you get this, you know, as immigrants, that work ethic is superhuman. Absolutely. So my father worked four and five jobs at a time. He believed in respect for all people. His faith was his guiding principle. And all of those qualities sort of show up in me today. Sure. Um, and I, you, you don't appreciate it, A.B., <laughs> until you get out of the house and then you show up in the world. But my father, commitment to education, for example, we were only allowed to bring home A's and B's. So right. how you got them, <laughs> that's on you. That's on you. <laughs> but just the, the high mark that he set for something he didn't have namely education, is something that I passed down to my own child. I love that. I love that. And that seems to be a common immigrant story, especially in, 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 a, in my generation and other generations before these new youngsters, like this work ethic, this showing superhuman. my example. Superhuman. Yes. Superhuman. I love that. I want to shift over to your role because obviously leading the DEI initiative at Cisco is such an important thing. And it's interesting because you've said in your long, very illustrious career that Cisco is the first company you've ever worked for that really takes its purpose yes. um, seriously and drives purpose with, with, with a serious intent. Yes. So I guess, what's it like working for a company that shares your core values? Let's start with that. What's that like? So it's, it's incredible, right? So let's think about this for a second. Our purpose is to power an inclusive future for all, mm. not just some, not just the people that we're comfortable with, right. but for all. Right. And so I've never had an opportunity to work for a company that was so clear about what its purpose is, mm. but also so closely aligned to who I am. Right. right. So I am someone who is a very purpose-driven leader, and the opportunity to work here is a gift and a privilege that candidly 
I wish more Ciscoians really understood mm. because I've worked at several different companies and I've never worked at a company where there's so many opportunities to give back right. and there's so many opportunities to manifest our individual purpose. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think more people should take gratitude in that this company really does from the top down drive this this feeling of Absolutely. purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's so many platforms in which we can demonstrate it and whether it is a day for me or the fact that every Ciscoian has an opportunity to contribute to over 7,500 different organizations and they can do that with a match up to $25,000. I mean, right. That is unheard of. Yeah. And I just hope that more and more Ciscoians not only take advantage of that, but appreciate the things that we have at this company that candidly other companies just don't have. Absolutely. And I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, not a Ciscoian, about the fact that we get 10 volunteer days paid per yes. year. And she was so shocked. She said, you know, my company gives us one. And I actually had never heard of another company doing this anyway. But she said, but 10. She said, that is so powerful. I mean, who does that? No one. Do? <laughs> no one with Cisco. And we should appreciate it and take advantage of it. So in terms of because we are a purpose-driven company and because you're in charge of our DEI role initiatives, what are you excited about uh, now that you're in this position and, and, and when you think about your role and what it's going to do for the company in the future? Yeah, so I'd say there's three things I'm excited about. Okay. The first thing I'm excited about is about disrupting this mythology that DEI is only about some and mm -hmm. not others. DEI is about every single Ciscoian, right? Because every single Ciscoian comes to Cisco with a unique set of stories yep. and journeys and life experiences yep. that we have to value, that we have to understand, that we have to optimize to drive our purpose and our business goals. So sure. one is disrupting the notion that it's not about all of us, because it is. Right. The second thing I'm excited about is the fact that I am connecting our DEI strategy with our purpose and our business. So everything that my team's been working on over the last seven months I've been here is working backwards from our existing business goals right. and from Fran's existing three-piece strategy to ensure that DEI is an amplifier and an accelerator of all the things we've committed to doing. Sure. The third thing I'm excited about is my team. <laughs> I've got about 40 people on my team, talented, passionate, committed. We, we did some really rough math. We have almost 300 years of collective DEI experience across my team. Wow. And literally, AB, I, I love being in their presence, even if it's virtual, <laughs> because I learned so much from them. Right. And they energize me and they give me hope. And they're so committed to creating the Cisco for others they may never meet. That's so true. And that's such a great point, especially with the whole DEI initiative being something that's across the board. It's not yes. just for some, it's for all. It's for all. It's for all. And I think the same thing when I have discussions with other people who are running social justice initiatives, it's, it's very easy to fall into this idea that, oh, you know, this is for one targeted group and this is what we're trying to do, but it really is connected across the company and across all disciplines. Absolutely. Love that. Yes. I know this because we've talked about this and I've, I've done some research, but I, so let me say this first. I've come from a long line of lawyers in my family. I'm not a lawyer myself, but I have a ton in my family. And I know that you started your career as a lawyer and even at one point thought about being a judge, yes. which is great. So yes. I want to hear a little bit more about, about the judge thing and, and just being a lawyer in general. But then I want to ask you this, because this is a conversation I've had with my father and my brother, because it seems like if you're a lawyer, you can really 
branch out and do so many different things besides practicing the law. So what do you think it is that that make that makes having a legal background effective, especially in your role as, as a DEI lead? You know, it's funny you, you asked me that question. So first, I'll just tell you about the, the lawyer thing. So Amy, I wanted to be a lawyer from the time I was six years old. Oh, wow. And I had an older <laughs> brother who was 10 years older and he wanted to be a lawyer and I wanted to grow up like him. Mm. But as I evolved in sort of my own voice and in my own skin, um, I remember my father, before he passed away, asked me, you know, why do you want to be a lawyer? And I said, that is because I want to help people find their voice. Um, I want to help people who don't know their rights and their voice find those things. And so that was my attraction to that space is, is giving a platform to the voiceless right. and being an advocate for for people who are sort of hiding in the margins or hiding in in our in our blind spots or hiding in parallel universes. Um, but here's what I'll tell you: um, the reality of it is is that me being a lawyer is probably not the connection to DEI that people would think, mm. right? So here's here's something that's important to remember. So most people think, oh, well, you're a lawyer, so you. I think that was an em- employment lawyer. Like that's the connection. No, it's actually not. Okay. The connection really is the fact that I'm an advocate right. for the voiceless. So it's not the legal background. It's the fact that I that I have strong skills around being able to bring other people's voices in the room that are missing. It's what Robert Frost talked about in terms of it being the road less traveled, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. So I got an offered an opportunity to come into this space 24 years ago. I've never looked back. In terms of me wanting to be a judge, I actually was next on the list to be appointed to being a judge in oh, Georgia. Wow. And unfortunately, my governor did not get reelected, so I didn't get that right. opportunity. But I have no regrets, sure. particularly now being here at Cisco, because I think I have uh, the best platform in the world, right? A company whose very mission and purpose, A.B., is to power an inclusive future for all to be that voice for the voiceless. Ah, so perfect. And, you know, not having the regrets because you are right where you're supposed to be at is, the right is time. a great story to tell. At right? the right time. At the right time. Yes. Absolutely. Um, I want to backtrack a little bit and connect two things you talked about. You talked about teams and how you, you love your team and, love and my team. the experience that you have yes. getting to know them um, and just, you know, communicating with them. Yes. Because I know that communication is huge for you and you're known as a leader who really embraces communication and and deep relationships. And I think I'm going to read this because I want to make sure I get this right. You encourage team members to have courageous conversations. Yes. So the question is kind of a two-parter. One is very obvious, but why is it so important to have this great communication and relationships within the team? And then what do you mean by courageous conversations? Yes. So, you know, one of the things that we really lean into here at Cisco is this concept of proximity. Mm-hmm. Right. And we have our proximity initiative that was really the brainchild of Alex Allen on my team, but really started from a conversation with Chuck Roberts and Brian Stevenson right. a few years ago. And the notion that the more proximate or closer you are to a person or a problem, the more empathetic you can be and the more you can know about it. Well, the purpose of being proximate is so that you can have conversation. Absolutely. Right. And so when you're proximate to, to people that you're not necessarily used to interacting with, that requires you to have a courageous conversation, mm. right? And there's a couple of things I want to unpack. Okay. First, what is a courageous conversation, right? So a courageous conversation, A.B., is the marriage between what Gloria needs to hear, but most importantly, how she needs to hear it. Mm. And so we often think, oh, a courageous conversation should be just telling A.B. the unvarnished truth. Right. It's telling me the truth, 
but telling me in a way that's empathetic the way Gloria needs to hear it at the time she needs to hear it, which is a whole skill set. Sure. Which leads me into what's underneath that. And it's what I encourage every Cisco leader to lean into. It's the notion that comfort is the enemy of our destiny. It's the notion that comfort is the enemy of transformation. Right. And so that as Cisco leaders, the muscle that we have to build is we have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. So let's think about it for a second. When I go to the gym and I'm trying to build muscle, Mm -hmm. I build it through resistance. Right. Right? Right. I build it through resistance. That's how I get that muscle. It's the same thing with leadership skills. You build your leadership muscles through resistance. Right. And sometimes that takes friction. Sometimes that takes discomfort. Sure. So that's why you got to lean into that. Yeah. And and by your definition, it's something that can be learned. It's it something... can be learned. It is a skill. Absolutely. This is so deep. And I, I'll tell you why for me, because we were talking about how I used to do music for a living. Yes. And, and, and I just did an, a single for a woman who I used to play wow. music with. Wow. Awesome. The second line of the first verse Oh, the first verse is comfortable is the enemy. I kid you not. You made that and up. I, I'm not making that up. I, I'll give you the song. That it's, it's already been mastered. But it's just, I was just like, oh, okay, yes. So just to hear somebody else say that in that context, it, it's that's deep for me. Thank you so it's much. Deep for me too. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm going to let her watch this episode too. She's going to be happy about that. So when we started talking today, we talked about how we have shared experiences, of course, namely being from the Caribbean on our family side. Yes. But we have something else in common, which is, we're happy people. Yes. And I know that you've said that sometimes people say to you, wow, I think you might be too happy. And which is an interesting thing to hear. But I can tell you that I've heard that myself too. Wow. I'm glad I'm not the only one. You're not the only one. You're not the only one. And so here's my question. As somebody who is such a respected and accomplished leader now, do you recall any time where you think that because you were too happy or not serious enough people may not have given you the credit you deserved or even given you the respect you deserved as a powerful leader? So there's a couple of things that that question brings to mind. So the first thing is, is that um, I have this, this phrase that I share with my team. It's always laughing, never joking. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that I love to have fun. In right. fact, there's a lot of research that says that when you introduce fun and silliness into your work, it actually helps productivity. It actually helps engagement. It actually helps outcomes. Mm. But but never joking means I'm serious. Right. And I'm serious about connecting DEI back to our business. I'm serious about making sure that my team is psychologically safe and they're well. I'm serious about making sure we deliver world-class results. Just because I'm laughing doesn't mean I'm not serious. That's right. The second thing that comes to mind is I remember, I won't say the company. I remember I was working at a company and um, we were in the middle of doing layoffs. And I was working in my office and my attorney, my company attorney came to my office and knocked on my door and said, can I talk to you for a second? And I'm like terrified. Like, mm-hmm. am I going to get a pink slip? Right. And he said, I said, sure. He said, um, I need to tell you that people are complaining about you. And I'm like, what? what what's wrong? He said, people are saying that you're too happy. <laughs> so I want to unpack this. We're doing layoffs. The company attorney knocks on my door and says, people are complaining that you're too happy happy. Right. And I said, what does that mean? He said, well, you know, everybody else is miserable. And the fact that you're happy is making people uncomfortable because they want to know, do you have another job? What's going on? So you need to tone that down. Mm. 
And so that's that's the second point. Here's the third point, and I hope I think it's the most important point, A B, is that Marian Williamson once said, You have to let your light shine because your light allows other people to shine. That's right. And so I can't um dim my enthusiasm and my happiness because other people think I'm not happy because what that does is it empowers other Ciscoians. That's right. And other stakeholders to see their own light. Right. Right. And so the the other piece of it is this, is that people should know when you see me happy that it's not um, disingenuous, that unless something is majorly going wrong in my life, sure. I genuinely wake up with gratitude and energy and excitement for the day. Yeah. And if you didn't present yourself that way, you would not be your authentic self. Bingo. That's exactly right. And in, by being my authentic self, I empower others to be theirs. I love that. Yes. I want to talk about a motto that you live by, to whom much is given, much is required. Yes. And I know that service or service of others is something that's really dear to you. Can you think of a role or maybe an experience where in serving others, you really gained so much for yourself? Yeah. So it's a couple of things. So one of the things about me is that over the course of my career, I've served on over 22 nonprofit boards. Wow. Um, and I, I say that to say, to say that service is in my DNA. And when I say that I served, I'm not saying I was a member and I checked the box. I probably had some leadership position, AB. In right. fact, uh, ironically, uh, when I got engaged to my husband 22 years ago, I was on seven nonprofit boards. I literally had no life. <laughs> All I did was go to work, right. go to board meeting, didn't uh -huh. own a pair of jeans. And my husband said, I don't care which nonprofit it is, just pick one. Mm. The one that was most impactful to me was an organization called Usher's New Look. So you know Usher Raymond because you're in yep. the music business. Right. He has a nonprofit um, that he started 25, 30 years ago, maybe 20 years ago. Okay. Um, and it's really to teach young people the business side of the music industry, the entertainment industry. And I served on his board for eight years, I actually signed all the checks with his president. Right. And the thing that really was impactful to me is here's someone who is this world famous musician. And the eight years I started on that board, he missed one board meeting. And the one board meeting he missed was the night before he, he did a concert and he dislocated his shoulder. Oh, wow. And he's like, hey, I'm on my way to the hospital. They haven't looked at my shoulder, but I'm coming to the board meeting. We're like, please don't. <laughs> right. My point is that it was the sincere understanding that to whom much is given, much is required. He had a platform where he could make a difference and mm -hmm. he used it. And just and talk about someone who's just so down to earth. And so we would do things like we'd go to hospitals right. and, and, and surprise children. We were in New Orleans right after Katrina helping rebuild Katrina. Right. We were doing all of these things that involved getting your fingernails dirty and recognizing that, yes, I've been blessed to, to, to live out my, my talent and be on international stages, right. but that, that, that gift also allows me to transform lives. And so just working really closely with him for almost a decade was very, very meaningful to me. Great story. And it's nice to hear of somebody who's a celebrity and famous giving back so wholeheartedly. Yes. And Cisco, by the way, has partnered with Usher's New Look in the past. And Chuck has been very supportive of that organization. And it's just a great organization that is really transforming lives in an authentic way. Great. Great to hear. All right. Now we're going to jump into some fun facts. Sure. Because I know of a few of them. Bananas. 
So apparently you hate bananas, at least in their fruit form. Is that the result of some traumatic experience or like what, what, why is that? Well, you know, you're the first person that's actually challenged me on that. Like I normally <laughs> just say I hate bananas and people leave it alone. Um, but I actually, to be honest with you, it's amazing you picked up on it. To be honest with you, the reason why I hate bananas is because when I was in the sixth grade, I saw someone eat a rotten banana and it just kind of oh. like traumatized me. And you will get this because we're both West Indian. That's right. Not liking plantains and bananas is like sacrilegious, it is, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how could you not like bananas? But I just don't like them. But sure. here's the irony. Anything artificially flavored, Laffy Taffy, mm -hmm. bring it. But bananas in its natural form, right. I, I just, I- You can't do it. I can't do it. And, and everyone in my family, my husband, my dog, my daughter, they all <laughs> eat bananas. And I just, I, I'm sorry. To all the banana lovers, I'm sorry. I just don't like them. That's okay. You get a pass. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you might be open to, or maybe even enjoy banana cake, banana bread, or no. not, not really. Sorry. Not even that. Okay. No. All right. That's fine. No. You still get a pass. <laughs> um, flipping things 180. If you had to choose one food that you could eat only for the rest of your life, regardless of complications from it being unhealthy or not, what would you choose? Well, you would you put the qualification on there. So if you had asked me this question a month ago, I would have probably said brownies. But I'm going to lean into my health journey. Okay. And I'm just going to say kale. Wow. Okay, kale. Yes. I'm going to say kale. Kale's, kale's good? Yes. Kale's, kale's I, I'm good. really getting into, A.B., my whole sort of well-being journey. Good. And one of the things that I, I admire about Cisco is because we're really committed to well-being. So Ted Kinzio's who uh, is a partner of mine on Kelly's leadership team. Right. His team is leaning into well-being, but there's a strong connection between well-being and inclusion. The more you are well, um, the more you feel included and vice versa. And so I'm leaning into the role that I do to make sure that I am whole and healthy and modeling that for my team. In fact, I tell my team um, every week to take care of themselves and each other because if I'm not well, Right. I can't be my authentic self and I can't bring my best to Cisco or to the world. That's really interesting. I didn't even think about the whole inclusion aspect of it. I mean, you, you feel well, you, you're, you're at your best. Now you can participate in a way that you wouldn't be able to if you were you know, not 100%, basically. It's actually even deeper than that. So Cisco has um, a well-being ambassador named Jesse Pavelka. And mm -hmm. he and I had an opportunity to do some sessions together at Cisco Live. We're going to be doing more things together. Right. And Jesse and I talked about what happens to Ciscoanians when they're not well. In other words, if there's a lot of research that says that if I feel excluded, that it physiologically has an impact on me. You see, it's the effect of being bullied. And what Jesse taught me was, I knew that research, but what Jesse taught me, AB, is that not only does Gloria have a physiological um, impact that affects how she shows up at Cisco, I take that home. Mm -hmm. So if I'm having something traumatic happened to me, whether it's a microaggression or I'm not feeling included at work. Um, I don't feel psychologically safe. I don't feel my my voice is heard or respected. Right. I not only show up at Cisco, not at my best, I bring that home to my family. Yeah. And so it's a multiplier effect of not having a, a, a healthy environment that focuses on well-being. That's why it's so important for us to lean into that at Cisco. Absolutely. And because you are a strong leader with 40 uh, reports, you know, it's going to affect and trickle down to exactly. them as well. And then it's sort of a, an exponential uh, occurrence. Absolutely. Makes sense. Kale. Kale. Kale, people. Kale. 
I like spinach. I like kale too. I was gonna say spinach, but kale. <laughs> Kale's good. I've heard they make kale brownies too, but I don't know. I don't know how that works. But I may have to try that at some point. So we've talked about the fact that I used to work in entertainment, mm-hmm. and you have a secret uh, dream of working in the entertainment industry, and you in fact worked on a Tyler Perry show or were in a Tyler Perry show. So yeah. I have a couple questions. One, what was it like doing that, working with Tyler Perry? And two, if you were to have another career at some point in the entertainment industry, are we talking like being on camera or on stage? Or are you are you thinking powerhouse exec running stuff? Wow, that's that's a great question. That's that's like probably the best one of the best questions you've asked me because I, uh, I genuinely have regard and a little bit of jealousy for people like you who <laughs> get to be in the entertainment industry. Um, so I had, um, I did an episode of Tyler Perry's Meet the Browns. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played the widow of someone who had passed away. And I, I basically was like, I'm in the cast. The episode is actually called My Fair Tanya. Okay. And you can, you can, I think it's on Netflix or something like that. Right. It's not even worth looking for me because you only see me for like 10 seconds. <laughs> okay. But the opportunity to work with Tyler Perry and his cast was just a gift. It was a bucket list experience. That particular episode, Kim Fields, if you know who Kim Fields is, she actually directed it. And the cast was so gracious and so nice. I'm like, who is this Gloria going? She's a no one. I actually got my SAG card, by the way. Yes, Yes, I did. Gotta have that. I had my SAG card. (laughs) Um, But it was just a great experience. And, And to answer your question, I'm really a frustrated comedian. Okay. Um, and I, I love to make people laugh. And I think that if I had an opportunity to, to work in the entertainment industry, I probably, there's a couple of different sort of tracks. I'd probably be like a talk show host, but right. I would probably be like in a situational comedy. Like I would have some character in a Tyler Perry show where sure. I made people laugh, but also brought in like, a social justice impact message. Kind of like how Blackish did, right? So being on a show that was funny, but through that humor, really informing and educating and empowering people to live their better lives. It's really interesting that you say that because I was just listening to an interview uh, with Leslie Jones, who talked about a comedian's role and that it's actually to tell you the truth, but to do it in a way that you feel comfortable hearing it. Ah, courageous conversation. Courageous conversation, tying it back into what we talked about before. Yes, absolutely. Perfect. Well, I think this has been a great conversation and and I'm so happy we were able to do this in person in New York City. And I just want to thank you so much for for coming in, taking the time and and having this fantastic chat with me today. The pleasure has been on my line, A.B. Thank you so much. You got it.